Welcome to the Together for Change podcast series. I'm your host, Marvin O'Kella. As of June 2020, following the untimely death of George Floyd, I've taken on the role of Diversity and Inclusion Officer for the Halifax Wanderers. Since that time, I have hosted a number of Zoom calls with Wanderers fans, members, partners, and others in our community. My aim is that by having these tough and sometimes awkward conversations, we can begin to break down barriers and strengthen a culture of diversity and inclusion. Today, I'm joined by my guest, Pamiduka. Thanks for joining today, Pa. Thank you for having me, Mom. How you doing, brother? I'm doing great, Pa. Thanks for thanks again. And uh, Pa is the head coach of Pacific Football Team, and he's also director of football operations. So, Pa, we're gonna jump right into getting to know you right off the bat. You know, tell us a little me? bit. Cool. Yeah, you, man. <laughs> Bro, I'm from the smallest country in West, uh, or maybe in whole Africa, which is the Gambia. You have to put on the Gambia, which is in West Africa. Uh, grew up in Norway, uh, played for the Norwegian national team as the first fully black player, and then uh, played in Holland, played in Middle East, and played now in MLS, where I retired and worked for the Vancouver Whitecaps as a coach, worked for Cincinnati, both in MLS, and now I am the head coach of uh, Pacific FC going into my second year. I enjoy what I'm doing and uh, try to be part of a little change that is going around uh, the world right now. So to hear you and be in your podcast, thank you for having me because it's, it's wonderful to see another brother also doing um, doing this uh, podcast so we can get the awareness. But me saying I'm from uh, Gambia, brother, you have to tell me where you're from. Come on now, tell me your story because I'm also curious about your story. <laughs> Thanks, man. It's, it's a humble one. Um, I was born uh, in Kenya, just outside of Nairobi. And by the time I was eight, you know, we were in refugee camp for... Um, for about a year and we yeah. were very blessed and fortunate to be linked with a missionary family from Hampton, New Brunswick, uh, name of the Carlines, Peter and Kelly and their yeah. parents. Shout out to them for, you know, everything they did to get me, my my three sisters, Emma, Donna, Diana, and my yeah. mom and dad all to Canada through their gracious work, you know, so oh, that's we, good. We landed in Fredericton, New Brunswick initially, and uh, eventually made our way over to Nova Scotia. Just my parents looking for long-term work and career. That's what got me involved in the soccer world here in Nova Scotia. Played in the provincial, wow. pro- provincial program, and uh, it took me all the way here with the Wanderers that I am today. Yeah. The ball, man. The ball is nice, isn't it? People don't know about the ball. Well, tell me something else a little bit about Nova Scotia, man. I, it seems like uh, all the black people in Nova Scotia is it is it is it a fact is it true it's interesting actually because I was on a networking call earlier this week and there was a a guy who moved from Toronto and he was talking about how he was such in culture shock because Mm -hmm. Toronto you know it's I think it is the most diverse city in Canada actually coming from that coming to Halifax he was saying I don't see many black people I don't see much diversity here and I wasn't the first one to defend it, actually. There was um, a couple of people on the call who were, who were white, and they said, you know, actually, you're, you just have to look a bit harder here. Um, but there is actually a lot of diversity. There is a lot of Black people here. So it's not necessarily prevalent, especially I, I made a joke that it's winter. <laughs> you moved here in the winter. Bro, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's facts. That's facts. So you're not going to see all the brothers out and about in the winter, like, <laughs> just walking down the street or anything. <laughs> hibernation. We in hibernation. Exactly. Or if you do, they, they got 10 layers. They got a tube. They got scarves exactly. wrapped up. They got everything, <laughs> right? So I was like, you know, they're, they're here and there is a good 
good African population, good Lebanese population, good Asian population. There's a uh, big Greek population. It's, it's just, you got to kind of know where to look. And, uh, and in the summertime, everyone's out and about, as you can imagine, because we have beautiful summer. I'm telling you. Yeah, it's the same like Vancouver. Vancouver was that the same too, because I was asking the questions like, where are the black people? So my wife one day came home and she like, oh, I know where they are. You have to go down Surrey, go on a Sunday church, and they all come out. Yeah, I was actually to Surrey. I was I've been to Surrey before. Surrey and Richmond, two thousand and four. We went there for a long time, bro. Yeah, man. I was on the under <laughs> under sixteen provincial team at that time, man. And uh, we went to National oh. All-Stars. BC was hosting. And uh, actually the best soccer game I think I've been a part of. Um, really? Yeah, man. We were, we were down 4-1 at halftime. And they had four national team players, uh, two midfielders, one center back, and I believe it was a striker, all in the national oh. under-17 program that year. So they were, they were good. But the thing their coach unfortunately did is he subbed two of them at halftime. He got cocky. We're, we're a second half team. And uh, the other best part of the story is that my, our coach, the day before we played at yeah. dinner, told their coach we were going to beat them 5-4. No way. He said it. He said, we're going to beat oh, you. Wow. He asked him, oh, what do you think the game is going to go like? And my coach is confident. He's like, you know, we're going to beat you guys 5-4. And he's <laughs> guy laughed. He's like, 5-4. Wow. What a game. Like, and he laughed. And he's like, oh, I think it's going to be 3-0 for us. That was the BC coach, right? So 4-1 at halftime, that tells you a lot about where his head was. And 4-1 mm-hmm. at halftime, took two of his best players off. And at All-Stars, you can't come back on. Most, you know, yeah, exactly. yeah, competitions, yeah. you can't come back on. So no. you go to half t- second half, we bring on a couple more attackers. We score one, we score two. two. The, the oh. coach is sweating, pacing up and down the sideline like, oh, my gosh. The, one of the midfielders he subbed off kicks his water bottle because he sees what's happening. 10 minutes before the end of the game, boom, 4-4. Four, four. Might have been two minutes before the end. My teammate Sebastian hits this rocket from like 35 yards out that ends up bar down to win it. Oh, wow. Crusher. <laughs> That's a crusher. It was, it was amazing. And this is in front of like 3,000 BC fans, right? Like it was... Oh, it that was, was nice. It was amazing. Maybe not even 3,000, but I know it felt... Like at that age, it felt like that. Of course, obviously, at that age, man, it's always like that. You you feel like you're in a big crowd, man. That's the, that's that's the most fun times. Those are exactly. the fun times. So no, I was I was in Richmond and Surrey though, you know, and and nice. um, I remember getting off the plane when we first got there, and I was like, where did we land? Like I thought we were exactly. in like the Middle East or honestly Asia. At oh yeah, point. or Asia. It is. It is. It is. You could Vancouver is more like um like uh, Asian side of it. To be mm-hmm. honest, there's there's a lot of uh, Asians from the Pacific and East Indian, yeah. basically because of that. But um, yeah, there's diversity, but you just don't see it that much. Yeah, like so, like I said so, here, you have to look for it a bit more. Exactly. What was your first impression when you got to BC? I mean, I was in 2013. Um, I had to make a pit stop because uh, I was signing for one. Uh, I was signing for Portland Timbers, so I had to get my visa to get to the US. So they direct us to Vancouver. And when I landed, I'm like, wow, this is a beautiful city, you know. Hmm. But um, it was actually between uh, Whitecaps and Portland. So my wife already did some research about Vancouver and she kind of liked the city. Mm-hmm. But, but she goes, there's not many black people. Because <laughs> <laughs> she actually does. And she's white and she's like, 
she's checking because in her mind is like she always does those checking mm-hmm. because just to see whether there's enough diversity you know uh, for us to come in in areas she did it the same with Portland and Portland had basketball uh, team and uh, the Grizzlies were no longer here so the choices was easy we love basketball so Portland Portland it is but coming into Vancouver was actually nice you could see it's a beautiful city you know mm. and and we enjoyed the five days that we stayed here yeah. so we end so we end up coming back the year in two years later and now it's home because we got both of our two daughters are born here oh that's awesome and it's, you guys have very relaxed winters let's say yes compared to the rest yes. of the country yes 100%. Snows one time and then the rest is just rain or sun. So right now the sun is outside is beautiful. If it wasn't so expensive to live in uh, Vancouver or Victoria, I, I probably would have moved there years ago. But it's though it's still open. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't let Derek or Steve or any of those guys hear the same. Right. I'm not saying anything. All I say is you know it's a beautiful place to come and watch. It is it is properly beautiful. So Anytime you want, bro, you're more than welcome. <laughs> oh, man, I was, it was one of the trips I was hoping to actually make. Um, in 2020, I was planning, because we did Ottawa in 2019. Yeah. We did a road trip with a bunch of us. But um, yeah. I was planning on coming to Pacific in 2020 to visit. I have a friend who lives in Vancouver Island. Yeah. And uh, But no, so I'll definitely, I'll definitely make a trip out there once things are, things are good. But one, one question I had, you talked about how you were the first you know, visibly black player for your national team. What what was that like? You know, did you feel the stress of and the pressures of that at all? No, for me, no. Because um, growing up, I knew the history because I'm from Gambia, and Gambia was one of the ports where the Bermuda Triangle went to, mm-hmm. right? So the British came, you know, together with the French colony, and then took and some of my ancestors uh, and ancestors are actually slaves. So I wanted to know the whole background and growing. With my grandfather, he would spend my first, like, from I was four till I was eight to, to leave to go to Norway. Those four years, he kind of educated me about what, what it was, about the slavery, what it meant, and also how, what is it to be a Black person? So I was long into it, and it made me be very proud of that. So knowing knowing my history and knowing who I am, when I came to Norway, obviously, as a young kid, you notice the difference. You know that you're not like anybody else. You see it, you feel it, but it's also how you go about it. My character is always be open and be curious to learn, but also be godful because you know it's not the same like in Africa where you can turn left and everybody welcomes you. One of my first experiences was that was when I went to my friend's house. And you know this, like in Africa, if you go into a friend's house and it's dinner time, we all eat. We eat. We yeah, all going to sure. all eat. It's not like it's not like oh, you go sit there and wait. No, and if you so, don't eat, it's disrespectful. Exactly. So for me, I was like, and I didn't ask, but it kind of hit me like, and the guy was, I mean, he goes, yeah, it's dinner time. Wait there, I gotta go eat. What? I swear. And prior to that, I remember him being in the house. We invited him, and he ate. But you know that you know those are things that you don't think much of. But it's just later on in life you think, oh. That is kind of weird. So I asked yeah. my dad, and but my dad explained it in a very good way for me to understand it. Some of our values and things we've done that we do doesn't necessarily mean other people will do it for you. Mm. You know, so that kind of gave me the teaching also. I know we're all different, but we're still equal a little bit, but we're still different in our ways. So those lessons stuck with me, knowing that I was good at something and knowing that you're black, 
you know in Europe, I say it is emotional. People see it, but they will not speak it. They will give you the eyes and they will pretend nothing there, but you see it and feel it. And for me, those things are even worse because now also you're tapping into people's mentality, uh, mental health, and you because you're not saying it, you know? I'd rather have somebody tell me, I don't like you because you're black, mm-hmm. rather than somebody just dragging you along and you're feeling like, and you know that that opportunity is not coming and you're not being looked at and there's always excuse after an excuse, you know? Definitely. And it's really the difference between uh, where we live and down south. Exactly. So, so knowing that and seeing that there was not many of us who made it into the sport. So once I got in, my foot in, I'm like, I'm not letting it go. Because mm-hmm. like I said, with the mentality that my grandfather taught me and my dad taught me, like, listen, if you do 100% chance in coming to you, so mm-hmm. you better do 200% yep. so that you know that you got to do more. And that's the part that people have to understand. When, it, when we talk about equality, it's like, if he's doing 100% and I'm doing 100%, pick the best guy to do the job. Don't yeah. pick because name or color, right? Just pick because you truly believe that he can do the job. Not have doubts because the other one name is uh, Peter and my name is Pa. It doesn't matter names, you know? So yeah. once I got in, my mindset was I have to make sure that the next people coming in, the door is open. So when I travel and I observe and I know that, okay, I was the only black uh, guy to make the situation not awkward. I always made fun because I'm like, because I like to make fun so people can understand and see it a different way. We, because our coach used to say, there's a lot of star. I say, yes, but there's only one black star. And in the beginning, it's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, we got 22 White stars. There's only one black star, you know. And you know, and then and then it becomes a joke, and people laugh. And because for me, it's like relax. I know the situation, but hey, it is what it is. So when we yeah. used to travel and you go to other countries, and I, I always make fun of it because because I find it funny myself. Yeah. I always go. I always go out late, so I let all the ten people walk out, and then here comes the and here comes the only black people, and the then all of a sudden people are looking. It's like people are looking like, what the hell do they have this in Norway? Wow. So because, and that is, so I was, I was, I was aware of it from early age and, but also I found it a way to also use my voice and make people understand. And now I'm very happy to see how diverse the national team of nowhere are. You know, there's a lot of foreign players from Morocco or Gambians, like, you know, in the national team, we are now, we have three Gambians, myself, John Carew and uh, Joshua King. Wow. Who's now playing for everything? So I didn't know Joshua King was from there as well. That's... Oh, he's Gambian, bro. That's what I tell you, man. People underestimate that small country. <laughs> we everywhere. So knowing that, and you see all these boys play, like it's like uh, it's a dream hmm. that that you can know that you can go somewhere and you can be a change in a certain way for people for the outlook. But for me, we still got a long way to go. You paved the way for those guys, man. Yeah, and for me, those those are the things that I value most. There's people behind us that is coming. And that's the part that for us is not given. It's, and even when it's earned, it can be taken away quickly again because they're always looking for something. And that's what I say, like, why put us in a box? Why why, why put us in a box? Why put Marvin and Pa in a box? There's more that we can do. What we're asking for is give us the freedom like you're giving other people, let our work do the job. If our work is doing the talking, now you can see, and the more diverse it is, the better it is for everybody. Change, man. That's what I tell people. We, we all got to change. We can't live like we're the same as uh, 15, 20, 30, 
100 years ago. Mm-hmm. We evolve as people. So what we evolve, let's evolve with time as well. Do you find that people, when you use the word diversity a lot, they forget that it also means white people, right? That's the education. That's why also, the, that's why I said the education part is like, for white people, it's like they always seen it from one side. And that's why I say that once they start to see it from the opposite side, that is going to help them more because we want to include them to make them understand that, hey, yo, this is what is actually going on. You guys cannot see it yet because you've not been outside your bubble. You in your bubble. So your bubble is secured. Your bubble is safe. So your bubble, you don't need to worry. Mm -hmm. But once some of them step into our bubble and seeing it and witnessing it and being part of it, they feel shocking. You can wake up, kiss your daughter, go home, don't have to worry about anything, right? A black man kiss his daughter in the morning, go out. We don't know if he's coming back home. Try to break a fight, get shot seven times mm-hmm. with the kids inside the car. So if humanity, if we can't see the, that picture is wrong, what are we doing there? And, mm-hmm. it's not, and that's what I say. It's not what has happened now. It's always been it's, you and I know it's always been. And yep. when we make jokes, people are looking at us. Guys, we know that we're in a situation where it's not normal. But does it bother us? Yes, deep down. Yeah. But we know that we, like, we, sometimes I look at them and even if I make a black joke, they will like look at oh, crazy. Yeah. Well, there you go. What's the opposite exactly. of laughing? <laughs> right? Like I, I had to That's talk it. about this the other day. Like if you're if we're not laughing, 100%. you're crying, man. You're crying. Yeah, right? you're like, crying, you're getting mad, you like you you want to fight, you want to do all of this. And stuff. then what happens? You get shot, you end up dead. Exactly. And it shouldn't be that way. But it is that way because again, that's what society created, right? And that's what I say, because who wrote history? Right, for me, that's what I say, who wrote history? Yeah. Not the people that suffer. If the people suffer wrote history, now history is going to be different. Exactly. But history, history is written by the people in power, so you can write whatever you want. So that's why, for me, knowledge and education is a powerful thing. God gave you the brain for you to think. That's what I tell people. It's free. You don't need to Google to think and do the right thing. It's free. And you know it deep down in your heart, right? You know it's, and that's what I tell the white people now. Some of them, the people, I go, what if we took you in a boat, sent you to Africa right now, and you're working for me? Can you imagine that? They say, no. I say, okay. So imagine 400 years ago then. And it wasn't just you. It was you. It was your brother. It was your uncle. It was your... Bro, it's everybody, your whole family, they put you in the boat. But no they don't take you to the same place. Exactly. You guys are separated. You lose your culture. You lose everything. I'm not used to they strip your dignity. So what we're saying are you, like, not only did you, did they come and steal stuff from us, they stripped us, finished. Mm. Like, you strip people of their dignity and soul, mm-hmm. which is what humanity is. Your soul is the only thing you have, your soul. And when you're asking for your soul, they're like, no, 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 no. You're not supposed to get it. Mm. And it's if it's them, it's like, ho, 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 what's happening here? That is the culture change that needs to be driven. And I'm glad that's why having people yourself starting a great um, initiative, you know, to get the CPL to work together, to get everybody to understand that we want a better change. That's what we're all looking for, a better change. Definitely. So we all can work together. Definitely. I mean, the CPL is full of, players from Brazil, players from all over South America, Africa, Asia. Yeah. It would be foolish if we didn't recognize that we have a very diverse league and try to be oh, yeah. very inclusive of it. 100%. And that's why sometimes I look at Canada, I go, all right, because 
you and I know Canadians are not uh, confrontational. For the most part, very quiet. But Canadians can use a voice to make a difference. Can Norway can use a voice to be different. Because those are two countries that I do believe in that with, they can drive change because the, diverse, the diversity that is in those countries is huge. I've seen it, I've witnessed it. And for me, people look at it like, oh, I'm not going to piss people off. Oh, I don't know what is right. I say, no, the right is to speak. You know the difference between right and wrong. Speak up. And if you don't know, educate yourself. Exactly. The education and understanding is the part that we all need to combine and come together. Because we can educate white people and white people can ask the questions. That's why I say, don't be afraid to ask. Curiosity is what is important in humanity. You need to be curious. You need to learn the culture. And that's why I always say when people travel, that's the best education. That's why I tell people travel. And sometimes people ask me, like, because I speak uh, seven languages. I'm like, my reasoning behind the seven languages is what my grandfather told me. It's like to understand somebody's culture, you have to know their language or try to speak it because then they're going to be open. Yeah. And when they're open is when you can help. So that's that's why I made it a habit to learn the cultures and the language of them. Even though it's a couple of words, you speak it, you see the smile of people when you speak what this is, you know, because everybody feel like, oh, this is mine. But me, I always say, bro, we came to this world naked. We're going back naked. <laughs> so in the it, meantime, man. play your part, man. You couldn't say it any better, man. And in terms of language, um, what is the national language growing up in Gambia? It's just like uh, Kenya, bro. We got so we got so much dialect that we don't know which which one to use. <laughs> you know what I mean? Is, is English one of them? Is, is English one English, of them? English is the official written language in Gambia. Uh, we have Wolof which is the second most spoken language. And then we have uh, Mandinka, which is the third most spoken language. I don't know Mandinka. I know Wolof and I know, obviously, English. We speak in it, but, <laughs> but, but, I do, but I do understand the other dialects because my tribe is uh, Fula and we emerged uh, from the Malian Empire. You know, when, when the Malian Empire was the Malian Empire, which is a great, African history, but I don't think if you ask the world, they will still try to deny it a little bit. Oh, of course. That's, that's as you said, the books were written by the oppressors. I'll exactly. use a different word than you use, but the oppressors exactly. were the ones who wrote the books. So. I, yeah, yeah. And it's like Christy, Christopher Columbus, I discovered America. How, how can you discover something? <laughs> there was people there, but you discovered it. <laughs> you and Christopher Columbus Day, I'm like, but what did you do? You were going to Asia and you end up in America because you were figuring a way how to cross the Atlantic Ocean. I hate that they don't teach that part in schools here. Like I went to, you know, um, elementary, um, middle school, high school here. And that's mm -hmm. what you just said is what they teach you. Christopher Columbus came here. He discovered. And it's like, no. And then what did you discover? You happen to be on a boat going somewhere else far. You didn't know. Mm -hmm. All right. You may discover, oh, there's a place because uh, you were from Europe. But it's not you because of you that uh, it could have been somebody else because there were many people who traveled prior than you, for sure. Uh, you're curious, but, you know, that's the part that history, again, that's why I say history must be rewritten. The only people that can rewrite history is us. And it's All never too late. It's never too late. You know, there's, I'll give you an example here of somebody who, you know, stepped up to the plate. You know, I, you've heard of Viola Desmond? Yeah. So, you know, after she was given a, a criminal record, you know, for refusing to move her seat and uh, mm -hmm. pay, and then even after she offered to pay the difference in price of ticket because she just 
Yeah, for the cinema, wasn't it? Yeah, for the cinema. And she she asked yeah. for a floor ticket, mm-hmm. but they don't normally give floor tickets to black people. They give it to white people. So the guy who she asked, the attendant, gave her a ticket mm-hmm. for the balcony where the black people usually sat, right? So it wasn't her fault. She asked for the floor seat. He didn't say, oh, you can't go there. He just gave her a ticket to the balcony and she went to the floor. And then they came yeah. and they tell her, you can't be here. And she's like, why? Mm-hmm. I paid for my ticket. And then looked at it and said, yeah. uh, this is for the balcony. And she's like, well, let me go exchange it. I'll pay the difference in price. Long after this, she passes away. Here in Nova Scotia, there's this lady named Miami mm-hmm. Francis. She's the first a lot of things. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, um, Governor General here in Nova Scotia. Yeah. Long after Val Desmond had died, she gave her a free pardon, you know, because it was a blemish on her legacy. 100%. Right? And, and, that, that, and that's the part people will focus, right? That's the part that the focus will be. The focus yeah. will not be what she's done. The focus will be exactly what you say, the blemish on the record. Exactly. And it's, this is why I say it's never too late to rewrite history. And we need to rewrite it a lot more of it. You know, even this, oh, yeah. you talked about the Christopher Columbus. Like, why don't, why don't we rewrite that history from the perspective of the native think about that perspective it would be a whole you know people teachers everyone would think of everything much differently if we saw the other half of the story but that's the teaching that you say that that's the educational part that people don't want to do because they know that it's going to open a whole kind of worm where people are going to start now to question the people in power and when you're in power what what do you do you want to keep the power you don't want to lose the power Mm-hmm. But for me, it's the opposite. Power is not only for one person. Let's power is for everybody. You share the power, now we become better. That's where the word right? em- empower comes from. Exactly. And that's why, like, and you kind of see it because, let's say, they put you in a certain role and the expectation is, like, nobody, you untouchable. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, I look at myself. I have the title head coach. Mm-hmm. But behind the title head coach, I'm a person. We can have a conversation. We can agree. We can disagree. We can. So I call you brother all right. the time. I don't see you exactly. as Tom and you the coach. You're my no, brother. You don't do that. And with everybody that I work in, it's the same. I treat them the way I want to get treated. I don't want them to look at me different, even if I'm working with a woman. You know, mm-hmm. my soccer ops, uh, my manager, she's she's a woman, and she's half Japanese. I don't look at her any different. I call her by her name, Kira. Mm-hmm. We work together and we strive to get better. She is born in Toronto. I was born in Gambia. It doesn't matter, but we are all associated for the love of sports. Mm-hmm. And that's the second thing I always tell people. I'm like, sports has no color. Society sees color. So when society sees color, they want to bring it into areas where they see that Nobody sees color because that's what it is. I can go play field hockey with Kira because that's what she does. And mm-hmm. I want to do it. And that is her sport. She's passionate about it. She mm-hmm. even asked us, can we do one hockey, one uh, one training session? I made fun of her and said, hey, you want to break the boys back? But it's something that maybe I will consider want to do yeah. because that is something that they can see and witness different sport. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and I hope she plays and beat us all up. Because then she have the bragging rights, so the boys can't say nothing, you know, something. <laughs> but those things are important, you know. Yeah. But for her to be able to go and for us to combine sports and make it something bigger, we need to make the sport big. Because last year, was no politician that stood up. 
was the athletes that stood up because yeah. they had enough. Because again, black athletes were just put in the box. Play, go home, uh-huh. don't speak up. Get your money, don't speak up. You take the 80s. We all love Michael Jordan. So people are going to look at Michael Jordan and say, ah, but you didn't speak up. Ah, you didn't do this. Ah, you didn't do that. We didn't all see what Jordan was working down low, trying to help other people. Because even now, you don't know. But then with the new generation, with the new technology, we all see LeBron James. And we're all going to compare LeBron to what Jordan was doing. But did we all know the sacrifice Jordan had to be or had to make when he was in his era to make sure that we could see LeBron James? And that's an important point you made there, a different era. People always try to compare people from different eras and say, oh, this person's greater because of this and this. But it's you're only considering the factors of your current era and not realizing that the past eras were much different. And you don't even know all the challenges that they had to face. Can you imagine us in the times of Frederick Douglass who have to escape Harriet Tubman? Or even us, brother, being in Africa, I cannot imagine being taken away, spending three months on a boat, a boat made by wood. Can you imagine us human beings being put in that situation? I say, hell no. It's 2021, and we're still acting up. It's like uh, 1798. So that means that, and that's what I used to, and that's what I like to tell people. I'm like, yeah, technology evolved but humanity didn't. Because if we are back in 1798, in this 2021, and we're still dealing with the same issue, we are the problem. And with me, I mean, with all of us, you know, because that's also what I tell my, my black people. I'm like, okay, if we don't want the stereotyping, let's also be a change so we can don't be, be a passenger in, in the change. It is. Don't be a passenger in the change, be a part. Exactly. Be the part, bro, because you're doing your part, I'm doing my part. Because you want to, you want truly want change. You're not just talking about the change. You are trying to make a change. And sometimes the best way to make the change is, all right, you know exactly what the perception and the narrative is. Mm-hmm. So then, so then it becomes to me, how do we change it? Not by uh, finding excuse. Leave the excuse. Be the change. So that's why I don't like it. That's one of the parts that I don't like it as well. It's like we know nothing is given to us, but mm-hmm. don't still stop. Don't still stop. Knock on that door. Keep knocking on that door. Because Marvin is in. Marvin will do his best to make people start to think, all right, they're actually, oh, they're different. Right? I'm going to do my part here. Jelani going to do his part. All of us have to play the part. That's why I always say, be the star in your role. And when you do it well, doors will open. And when doors open, let's grab it. And let's show what we're capable of. Therefore, we can make a change. Definitely. But for the white people, allow us these opportunities to be able to make the change. We want to make a change for the benefit of humankind so that you don't need to fear us and you don't need to stereotype us and put us in a box. We're saying, don't put me in a box. You say, no, stay in a box. Why not open the box and just allow people to be people? Because that's yeah. what we are. Let's get to the next stage. You never know. Once we leave both out of the box, it's like, let's, we can actually have fun. Right. We can do things. How is it for you when you walked in there as a black man in your work? How were you looked at? See, the Wanderers is very different from the time at the cinema. The Wanderers has been great. You know, I've never felt my blackness. Mm-hmm. 
at the Wanderers. You know, I've yeah. I've always felt everyone has seen Mark. I like the way you say it. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah, my blackness. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in a lot of ways, I was I was the black star, the only black star here, but we didn't care about that in our office. You know, I had when I came in, it exactly. was it was Derek Martin, you know, the president. It was my coworker Jamie McGinnis, you know, both Canadian. Mm -hmm. And then it was Dylan Lawrence, Canadian, um, Danai Yatru, who was Greek, you know, mm -hmm. but she's got a cool story because her dad is actually born from Kenya, born in Kenya, even though oh, they're yeah? Greek. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that. A lot of, I don't yeah. know if a lot of people know they're that. All from Africa. Yeah, man. I mean, you go far back enough, right? But but no, in, in the theater, I remember, because we talked about this recently, you know, in the yeah. theater, one of, my, one of my first jobs, I remember right off the bat feeling weird after I told you I realized I was hired basically because I was different, you know, like I wasn't the mm -hmm. most qualified. Like we always talk about hiring the person who's the most qualified. I wasn't the most qualified to work at the theater. I'd never had a job yeah. before. I had friends who applied who were far more yeah. qualified than I was, but mm -hmm. I was hired, you know, and I was young and naive and I didn't realize it until my three months probation was up and I get told that thanks for everything, you know, this is your last shift. I, I felt weird, you know, I'm like, yeah. I've been a really good employee. Like at first I wasn't the most qualified, but like yeah. we, we always talk about, mm -hmm. we're hard workers, you know, when we're given an opportunity, we work hard, not hundred percent, yep. 200%. I showed up early. I, I'm the last one to leave. I'm, yep. you know, I'm, I finished my job. I asked my coworker, do you need help with your job? You know, like that's how I was raised too. Exactly. So to be let go was, was tough. Cause I'm like, I, I, even though I didn't deserve the opportunity at first, I got it and I owned it. And now I definitely mm -hmm. deserve to be here. You know, to be let go and have exactly. my parents tell me, you know, Marvin, it looks like they probably, you know, were just meeting their diversity quota, you know, or they just wanted exactly. to see it's that is what's wrong with the world. You're going backwards by, by hiring bro. people just to fill a spot, to fill a box. And that is a little bit of what is now now, because people talk about it now. Everybody's like, oh, no, we want to make a change. No, I always say do it because you believe in it. Mm -hmm. Don't do it because to meet certain criteria. When we say we want a chair at the table, we want a chair at the table to make difference. Because when you look about the big corporates, how many actually, do, how many black people are sitting in the top of the food chain so that they can explain how we feel? But will there be opportunities? Yes. Are we going to move towards that? Yes, I believe so. So for us, and that's why I always say people, yes, we've been going for uh, 400 years. We'll probably go for another 100 years. No problem, but the change is imminent. People can't stop the change. They're going to allow the change. Well, 2020 and beyond, because the next generation is opening their eyes. They're seeing what is wrong. They're finally caught up to what is going on around the world. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot more diversities in schools. There's more diversities in everything we do now. So now the changes will be there. And when sometimes people are seeing and understanding change, they're going to create everything else not to make that happen there's this popular oh. visual that keeps coming up i don't know if you've seen it yet but it's a it's a black screen with white writing that says um are you still watching black lives matter you know playing up on that whole oh, netflix yeah. thing because when you're on netflix if you watch a few episodes in a row and you don't click anything it asks you are you still watching netflix you know it's otherwise it turns it off mm -hmm. but the visual says yeah, yeah. Are, are you still watching 
Black Lives Matter? You know, like, was it just something you supported That's on good. social media just to because everyone else was doing good, it? Man. Was it this is this yeah. is the question I ask people all the time still. Mm-hmm. Like, are you still listening to Black? Are you still watching Black Lives Matter? Because mm-hmm. it's it wasn't just a movement that was a 2020 thing. This is something that our fathers, our grandfathers, our grandmothers, our their great grandmothers have been fighting for. Mm-hmm. And it was the biggest human rights movement ever in 2020. In the world, sorry, man. In the world. In the world. Ever. In the world. Because people are finally caught up because no matter as a human, there's nobody that says that you only have your friends are from one race. Whoever says it is lying. We've all come across people from different race, 100%. But we also gain friends from different race. So you see people see the picture, but I believe people are more followers than leaders. Because as a leader, when the heat is going to be on you, can you take it? Are you willing to stand for something that's right? Or are you just want to follow because that's what it is? And to your point, and, and that's one of my biggest things that because I I observe my wife, my wife is like, when you're gonna speak? I'm like, I speak when it's time. I'm like, I'll speak when my heart have observed and my mind have taken all the information that is around me, then it's my time to speak. I'm not gonna speak. I wanna see who is doing what and why. Because it's easy to jump on a movement like everybody did. For me, it's not about the short-term goal. It's about the long-term goal. Yeah, you want to make sure can... that when you speak, it's continuous. You have something to keep going. It's not just exactly. Going nah, you know, and, and that's why when I look at this movement and I'm seeing it around the world, I'm like, all right, we are actually gaining traction in making people understand that it's not only about Black people. Yes, it's about Black people not having the equality, but we as Black people are telling people, allow us in so we can showcase what we can, so we all have a better living, so that Marvin Pamuduka can wake up, go home, get back home to their families without worrying about getting shot or worrying about, can I go out of my house to get a job? Can I get out of my house without being discriminated because of my color? And by the way, when you talk about color, my color doesn't change. Your color doesn't change. So who's the <laughs> colored one? My color is 365 days. Yeah. If I go to the sun, I don't get sunburned. If I blush, I don't get red. And by the way, who's white? Their color is peach. <laughs> Their color is light peach. Yeah. So who? So who's the who color? Who is white? And who's colored? And who's but yeah, it's it's exactly. So then you talk about the complex. Then you talk about the complicity of people wanting to make somebody feel lesser you want to dominate something i can't be we're all human we by the way i heard a comedian he said it eddie griffin and he made me laugh he goes black people don't get mad man because the white people is your caucasian brothers and sisters the only difference is we stayed in africa you know we could still keep our color they moved further from the sun america now they're coming back to get their own people then now, now, now they're coming back to get their to get their families. Like, yeah, yeah, coming with us. So, so I was laughing and I was laughing hard. <laughs> and then, and then, and then, because the I because for me the irony is, well, it's true. The first mm. human being walked in Africa, and that's how we spread around. That's how we spread around the world. So it kind of make like silly sense, but the history and the thought process behind it is the facts. 
comedians are some of the most yeah. smart people out there, man. And people, you know, don't give them enough credit for some of the things, the subject matter they talk about. Like, for instance, 100%. I remember Chris Rock was one of the first Chris Rock skits I heard was him talking about um, how there's so much food in North America that people are allergic to food. <laughs> <You know what laughs> <I mean? laughs> like, that's such a North American. You guys have so much food that you're allergic to food. Like, because you, t- you go to Ethiopia, exactly. you go to Kenya, and you tell somebody, do you want this cheeseburger? They're not going to say, oh, yeah, uh, hold the cheese and hold the lettuce. and hold-. No, they're going to say, give me the food. <laughs> no, man, it's true, 100%. It, it's- and talking about what you were saying about... Um, when you have family over, you know, and, or when somebody invites you um, to their house, how in our culture, and you know, our cultures are very similar, you have to eat. Yeah. And it's only fair that you could have just came from dinner, but if you come into my house and we're eating, you're eating something. It's such a bro, risk. Bro, you're eating. There's, it doesn't matter. No you're eating again, eating. you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> bro, they're putting the spoon down for you. They don't care if your belly is full about to blow up. You in yeah. the food is on the table. You even if it's a one one bite that makes people happy. Even for one bite, even for one doesn't matter. It. But think it's think about food. that. Think about that for a second, though. In a place like Africa, we'll say the continent, the whole continent, because mm-hmm. it happens all over Africa. You know, and people look at mm-hmm. Africa as a third world, most of it. You know, and they're like, oh, they're so mm-hmm. poor there, and they're so whatever. But we're we're sharing everything we have. I could have so little. But our mentality is still that we share, you know, and look at North America, the exact opposite. People are wasting food. They're obese. They're, they're, oh, we're overeating. You go into a Tim Hortons garbage. There's food every end of the day. They have to throw out all this food that they overcooked. Like, it blows my mind. That's it. Greed, one thing more. You you have 24 hours of your day. You can't do everything in 24 hours, people. And, and, and like, and to your fair point, and people, like, the picture, and it's also, that's why I say the narrative, right? The narrative of Africa is a third world country. But not if you go to Ghana, if you go to Kenya, if you go to South Africa, if you go to Morocco, if you go to Egypt, if you go to um, Nigeria, what is the, um, Nigeria, what is the now the low country that um, when the Tutsis and the Hutsis, Rwanda, mm-hmm. all these people, now everybody's looking at Rwanda, oh, that's the next destination. Because mm-hmm. also Africans are understanding, all right, times are changing. We have to evolve with time. South Africa, right? And and South Africa is almost like being in Europe. Mm. Yeah, because of the how developed the countries and all of the you know the infrastructure. Well, I mean, even think about the name Johannesburg. So, <laughs> Talk about influence. Yeah, exactly. So, like when you when when you look at it, and for us, is all oh, we include everybody. You come, you eat. You come, we give because we that's what we know. Sharing is caring because once you learn that, you pass it on. And once you pass it on, the more people you pass it on, the better it becomes, right? It's a cultural thing, right? So it's the same for us. It's like you say, we can have $1, but we'll make sure that we have three other four people who will share that $1. Yeah, I'll, I'll spend a quarter. You get a quarter, you get a quarter, you get Bro, a quarter. You all got a quarter and off we go. Have you ever had any sort of food you cook for your office? Because one of the things that I've done, you know, because I really like to share, you know, the riches of my culture, you know, um, we love goat meat, my family specifically, and we're very big on goat, you know, so I made some, I made a bunch of goat and I brought it to the office and, and Steve and Derek, all the guys, you know, we, we enjoyed it because that again, sharing is caring. And that's, that's how I was raised. 
it's great to be con- communal because I did it in PI. I did it in PI, bro. Yeah. I cooked for the team. I cooked for the team. Nice. Peanut, what did you peanut, cook? Peanut soup. I cooked the peanut soup with the couscous. Ooh. Bro, I, I went to the kitchen. I was a buzz in the kitchen. That's awesome. I had to, cook, I had to cook for the boys. You know? I heard Just a lot of the teams were complaining about some of the meals initially. So it's good you were cooking. Bro, nah, we cooked because, you know, it was, it was, it was when, when you want the people also to perform, you know, you got to give them uh, good food. You want to make people to feel good, you know, and honestly, it's it because they, because the players were giving their all, you know, so we had to look after themselves and um, the league tried because obviously, you know, nobody expected this pandemic to happen. But also for me on the other side, I'm like, pandemic is one of the greatest things that happened. happened. People say, why? I say. Because it forced us to change. And not only that, I say, now we have to deal with the biggest pandemic that is still yet to be dealt. They all go on. Which one is that? I say racism. So now yeah. everybody have time to sit home. Watch the videos. Go foop, 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 and truly see it, dive in it, and understand. Mm-hmm. Your mind will change. Your mind will go, oh, I didn't know about that. You know, it forces you to think. Whether you excuse. want it or not. It's not an excuse people can use it anymore. You. It I don't know about that. They can speak about Donald Trump. He's a madman, but he forced it upon people. He forced it upon people to have and say your opinion. He forced it upon people to want to finally break the barrier and talk about it. Right. Speaking speaking of talking about it and Trump, I have a tough story with Trump. You know, here in Canada, it's a hard one for me to talk about, but it's I think it's important for me to put it into perspective for people that in Canada. We mm-hmm. we have this crazy thing. So 2016, Trump, you know, gets gets voted in, and I'm I go out for a few friends here in Halifax for some drinks. We go out on my way home, just like around one o'clock, because it was one of the clubs. I'm coming home, walking by the Wanderers grounds on Bell Road. I get jumped by four white guys. Oh, wow. I got jumped, and they were yelling Trump 2016. That in Canada, in Halifax, Nova Scotia. They were yelling Trump 2016, right? These four guys. And if it wasn't for these three random brothers, these tall brothers that must have played basketball or volleyball because they were yeah. all three of them were very tall. They come and one of them punched one of the guys and I just took off. I just yeah. took off. I ran all the way home, called my mom, called my dad, told him what had just happened. They, you know, they came, yeah. they said, we're here for you. It's okay. You know, we'll take you to the yeah. police. We'll make a statement. And yeah. It was it was traumatic. It was oh, yeah. nah, it, 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 it. and 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 again, most of those people are the uneducated ones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People that are people that are truly afraid but not in, but uneducated doesn't mm-hmm. know what's going on. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of those because when people play into people's fear, mm-hmm. which always have been about black. Oh, we aggressive. Oh, we loud. We strong. Oh, we cannot hold the conversation. Mm. Those are the narratives that have been put on on us. Those are the narratives that we are saying that that is what we want to change. Mm. We had a president for two terms, man. Do people understand? <laughs> we had a black president for two <laughs> terms, followed by the most racist guy ever. Exactly. One step forward, two steps back. Two step back. That is North America in a nutshell. Exactly. But not only that, that is also Europe. And that's what I tell people, because why? Mm. Most of North American people, they come, their ancestors are the colonizers. 
Mm. And what do you do when you colonize somebody? You suppress them. You say, is this way or the highway? So when people finally fight back and tell you, no, it's not right, you lose your mind. It's like teaching a kid. And, and that's what I tell. I'm like, I have, I have daughter, yes. I'm a teacher right and wrong. But there will be one time she will know, daddy, you're wrong. So what, I need to get mad because she's telling me, daddy, you're wrong? No, daddy, we have to do it this way. That is the change that she's doing. That is the things that she's seeing. So I have to go with her. If I don't, I lose her. And just to so clarify, because- like when I said, you know, they must have played basketball or volleyball, they were also wearing athletic equipment. So it's not like I was making an assumption based on the fact they were black and tall that they must have played basketball and volleyball. There was more information I had than that. So. Nah, but yeah, you know, to your point, again, that's it. And, and again, assumptions, mm-hmm. right? Assumptions, They're like they see black people walking and like, oh, you wear a hoodie, a drug dealer, mm-hmm. you know, or you wear something. Because it, because the other part I want to tell people is, even when you athlete or you're known, people don't care. They will mm-hmm. come and do the same. I got stopped in Belgium, driving a certain car. In front of me was a Range Rover. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting with my friend, and I'm like, we're going to get stopped. It's like, it's a, it's, a, it's a police control. I'm like, routine control. I'm like, we're going to get stopped. He's like, no way, look at the car in front of you. I'm like, bro, do you see who's sitting in this car? I'm like, we black, and we're not supposed to drive a certain car like this, so we're going to get pulled off. And guess what happened? We come straight up to the guy. The police stop us. You know what he asked me? How can car? you drive this car? Is this your car? I had a feeling, yeah. No, even this is your car. How, How can, can you drive, drive this car? car? Yeah, I need to know the answer. And me, crazy as I am, I go, I'm a drug dealer. <laughs> and you see the eyes. Oh, bro, me, I, me, I'm crazy. I said, yeah, I know what you're thinking. Let me, let me answer it for you. Exactly. Let me answer. I said, I'm a drug dealer. And then they look at me. Oh, no, I need a. I say, you ask the question, I answer, and I'm answering with politeness. I'm a drug dealer. I got stuff in my back. You want me to get out of the car? He's like, oh, you're one of those cocky little boys, huh? I said, no. I said, you're assuming that I'm something. And the crazy part is. It was in my neighborhood that I used to live, that I, that I was living in. So what happened is one of the police officers, he loves football. So he knew who I was. So when he came and then he, he's like, hey, Pamudu, how are you doing? When is your guy's next game? The other police changed completely. Completely, because now he's embarrassed. Oh, bro. And then he comes to me, he's like, yeah, so I'm like, I'm like, no, listen, no, no. You, already, you already showed me your true color. So whatever it is, just keep it for yourself. I'm like, I'll tell you why I answer. You may think I'm rude, but did you know how you asked me the question? So me, I'm very simple. If you give me rude questions, I'll give you rude answers. Mm. Only assume. I'm like, somebody's driving a Range Rover, you didn't stop them. But your assumption is I cannot afford this car until you know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't say nothing about your job. But you do that, but you do that same thing for white people when they're in a Range Rover? Bro, he didn't stop him. There's a white guy in the Range Rover. He didn't no. stop it. That's, I know, that's the talking. point. That's the point. And, and that is the point that we're trying to tell people in 2021. That is the point. Let's educate each other. See me for who I am. See Marvin for who he is. And let's progress together. Let's prosper. So we make sure that we all grow together and be one. Because that's what we are. Right? We know different to know white people. They all we bleed know. the same blood. Blood, bro. Our blood is red. That's it. That's all you got. Exactly. Nothing else you got. Right, nothing else you got. All this other stuff for me is just pure insecurity, pure, um, 
people not wanting to be and make a change because they mm-hmm. feel they're going to lose power. For me, power is a word. Mm-hmm. If people can define me what power is, power is a word. People can say, I ah, know, but you can be, you can be, are you in charge? I'm like, no, power is a word. Me being in power is when I allow other people to be great in mm-hmm. their areas. That is for me power. Not the word, but by showing leadership, allowing people to be great, mm-hmm. pushing people to be great, challenging people to be great, giving them opportunities so that mm-hmm. we can see people grow. That's mm-hmm. what power is. And that's what lacking. It is an evolving door. We need to evolve with time, but we need to keep doing, talking about it. So you speaking about it is fantastic. You're using your platform. I am using my platform. And the greater we all use the platform and make it a daily conversation, yeah. changes will happen, bro. So that's why, I'm, that's why I'm glad to see you also being part of the change and you are pushing for the change with the initiative that you're doing with Halifax Wonders, with the rest of the league, CPL. You know, can we be on the front foot on those? Because again, society is going to look up to sports. Mm-hmm. So if sports can stick and be the change and we drive it out of sports, we will eventually be able to drive it out of society as well. We got to start in sport because people have always said sports have no business in politics, but I say the exact opposite. Look at the Island games. Look at the power of that message of everyone being in unity, linked arms, everything. We can't let that end there. No, we cannot just stop it. It's a daily conversation, but people have to want to want the daily conversation. Mm -hmm. People will want to push it. You know, and don't and don't be part of it just because, oh, I want to be part of it because it look good on you. No, do it for the right reason. Do it because you wholeheartedly believe that you want that to change. Yeah. If you don't want that to change, it's okay, okay. Just say, I don't want it. Nobody going to force you upon it. That doesn't mean that you may be looked at differently, but at least people know who you are, yeah. <laughs> you know? Don't, yeah. don't hide. Just say who you are, and that's it, Yeah. you know? And I'm Marvin Okello, you know, and I'm the first diversity and inclusion officer in the league, but I'm not going to be the last. I tell you that. No, bro, hundred percent. But it always gonna need to be the one. Yeah. You need to be the one, and you are the one, which is fantastic for us. You know. So let's keep pushing. Let's keep driving it forward, brother, because that's what's gonna need. And right there with you, everybody. You know, you're the first black coach, but again, you're not gonna be the last. You know. No, hundred percent no. And I don't want it to be the last either. We need to keep driving it, bro. And that's why I always tell my players, whether you're black, yellow, Chinese, you with me, so that you can make a difference. Right, we're all here to make a difference, not only by playing sports, being person, being a human being first, because that's what who we are. Amen. And the, the last question I say, because we could talk all day, you know, you know, we I'm both like you, to bro. talk. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm about to go jump in a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> but the last thing I want to say, um, I was in this conversation called Conversation for Change last night, actually, with Love Nova Scotia. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I ended up speaking with Shante Rose, um, who's the host of the Conversation for Change, was talking about names and the power of names. Like my, I was saying, my my family, you know, sounds like a white family until you get mm-hmm. to my dad. You know, I'm I'm Marvin. Oh, yeah. um, my younger sister's Diana. My older sister's Donna. Um, my oldest sister's Emma. My mom's name is Florence. We sound like a white family. Oh, and, then, <laughs> and then my dad, Zephaniah. He gave the African name. Proper. But and bl- biblical, biblical as well. But some of the reason is your dad probably is thinking, if I get the chance to take my son to a place, I want him to get a job. 
I don't want him to be looked at as an African name that he can't even enter the door. When somebody say Marvin and you don't met him yet, you're thinking, Marvin, when I get this feeling, exactly, <laughs> not, you know, we all know it. You yeah, know, you think yeah. of Diana. He's probably thinking Diana. I'm so glad you said that too, because yeah. by the way, I'm named after him. I'm named after Marvin Gaye. Donna, my right. sister, is named after Donna Summer. Diana, Donna Diana Ross. Diana Ross. You know, oh. Florence, maybe Florence Griffin Joyner, the, you know, the runner. But I, I don't know the story behind Florence. But I, you said, I'm glad you said it exactly without me even having to say that, because that's what I said on this conversation is yeah. in a lot of ways, people give us these white names knowing that that is a way to protect us from racism by just people seeing a name and being like, OK, it's just Marvin. He's probably white. Probably exactly. white. Right. But if they see a name like Palma Ducat, they're like, oh. This is a Bro, they they already run out the door before exactly. they finish. <laughs> because so, only the power will get them running. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I raise this question as the next point. Like, how do you feel about the responsibility we have when naming our children? Uh, me? No, me and me, I gave Nala because Nala means something for me because mm-hmm. I'm Muslim and Zara means something for me. Mm-hmm. Right? Those are beautiful if names, I, by the way. Thank you. And I have a name for my son when if I if I were to get son, but right now I think that door is closed, but let's hope so. Yeah. But for me, that name is I want people to ask me why. So I can explain to it. And then I know then okay, then we'll get it. Some people, because some names are associated with certain things. Let's take, for example, Muhammad. For us Muslims, is the name of the Prophet. But the narrative is what? I don't even want to say it. I don't even want to say it because it's so I'm, I'm, I'm say it. He's a terrorist. If you say Jesus, oh, he died on a cross. He's a holy saint. But our prophets was the same. We the, the prophets are the same. They did the right thing for people, right? They didn't. They didn't. Go, they didn't go kill. They fight for the human rights. Jesus was fighting for the human right, even though he got burned. By his guy sitting at the round table, he was still trying to do the right thing. Forgive them. He said, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. Exactly. That goes in Muhammad too. When he was trying to teach people about Islam. And they were worshipping and they were worshipping all these uh, statues and like this. He goes, forgive them, Father. They do not know better. He didn't say, Father, let's bring out the bazooka. No. Shoot somebody? No. Right, riot police or whatever. Nah, bro. So again, education. And me as a Muslim, I went to a Catholic school in my couple of years in Gambia. No problem. I learned about the Bible. It's not different. Mm-hmm. We speak about Christianity. Mm-hmm. We know. For us, Jesus, we call him Isa, the prophet Isa. Mm-hmm. Right? So you can hear. Muslim, that's what I tell people. Muslim people call their sons Isa, which means Jesus. I didn't Isa. know that. Abraham, Ibrahim, Noah, Nu. So you see, that's why I tell people like all of them go crazy. Just look at it. It's nothing different. Yeah, they're just it, a different it, interpretation of the same thing. Exactly. Jesus, Isa. There you go. And that's what I tell people also with when it comes to Islam is people speak. Our prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam he married a widow. Khalifa is friend thing. So that's why I say like when people like also sometimes people use religion into war and oh, try to make the changes. And bro, it's the same. 
Mm. The problem I always tell people is, did you get the message? Did the message come through to you? Are you still watching Black Lives Matter? Are you still watching? Are you still getting the message? And mm. if you do, keep following Marvin Podcasts because the learning is there for you. It's Take never going to stop. To listen to it. We're not going to stop. Take time to listen to what we're saying. If it's going to change you, please listen to that word mm-hmm. and apply it. That's don't just I'm listen asking. to the Marvin podcast. Don't listen to the Pomadou podcast. If you live in Toronto, there is mm-hmm. a Marvin somebody. in Toronto or a Pomadou in Toronto. Exactly. If you live in Quebec, there is somebody. Listen to the people yeah. who are local, local. Like, mm-hmm. Be open, man. Be open. As long as somebody's curious, be open and just take the first step. Hello, how are you? Mm-hmm. It's more than enough to start a conversation. And educate. That's why I like. That's why I love educate and understanding. Ah, uh, my job is to understand what a white man is feeling towards me, so that I can educate him. Exactly. We, we 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 didn't have a choice though, right? We no. have to learn the white history, yeah. the white education. We what we're asking is for them to do the opposite. Yeah, I don't understand sure. how it's so hard for people to understand that we we know your history. Every black person knows the white history. We don't have a choice. It's thrown down our throats. But why is it so hard? For people to do the opposite and learn a bit about black history, learn a bit about Asian history, learn a bit about Lebanese history, learn a bit of all these other histories that you know nothing about and you're judging. And assuming because that's why history has to be rewritten. And it goes back to the question. People in power, colonial in the colonizations, the people that was the colonel, they wrote it. And they want to keep they the were power. the one and they want to keep the power. Share the power and to continue to empower others in the league not just other brothers other females other everybody everybody and even though um we came from very different countries and very different times i'm really happy my brother that we were able to come together from away but to come together for change 100 bro that's what we all for we make the change not only for us but the next generation man but I'm glad. I'm. Um, thank you. Thank you for having me, bro. I, I truly enjoyed it. And uh, when you, when, when, when you're normal, when it's normal, and you can fly and come out, bro, you I'll come straight to the home, and we're gonna, we're gonna eat. I want some of that peanut <laughs> soup, man. I want some of that peanut soup. Oh, right. you getting it, bro? Don't worry. <laughs> awesome, awesome. But thanks again, Pa. And uh, I look forward to continuing the conversation very soon. For sure, brother. Love, huh? All love, bro. Have a great day. All right, brother.